Hello everyone, welcome back to the Knowledge Group podcast. We're taking a forward look at upcoming Knowledge Group events. This time we're turning our attention to Alice in the 2019 landscape, taking a look at things to expect, trends and developments. This webcast is going to go live Thursday, March the 7th, running between 12pm and 1pm Eastern Standard Time. Today on this podcast we're going to hear from our first speaker, Adelaide Lytle, PhD, a patent agent at Taft, Stettinus and Hollister, LLP. But on the webcast itself, she'll be joined by Sterling Fillmore, a shareholder at Workman Nidegger. Further information about our panel and what to expect on this webcast will be found in the description box down below, along with the code PODCAST25. That code will get you 25% off your first webcast registration. Once again, PODCAST25 is the code you need. Additional information will be found in the description. We're going to turn things over to Adelaide now. Hi, I'm Dr. Adelaide Leitzel. I'm a patent agent with the law firm Taft, Stettinius & Hollister. I work out of the Cincinnati office, and the area I practice in uh, is the life sciences. My background's in genetics and molecular biology, uh, and I do a lot of the patent prosecution and work that they have in the life sciences. That said, the life sciences have been just totally hopping in terms of patent eligibility for the last several years. Uh, and it's gotten to the point that sort of for the first time in um, many years, it's actually it's sort of reached the pop culture scene to, and is kind of discussed uh, perhaps at, uh, at evening events or on uh, athletic sidelines. I was startled uh, when I was at one of my kids' sporting events when somebody came up to me to talk to me about the 23andMe versus Ancestry uh, debacle that, well, it's actually kind of entertaining. Uh, they're fighting, they're fierce competitors, and it is right at the, at the nexus of some of the life sciences uh, issues that, are, that sort of surround patent eligibility, and it was kind of entertaining to watch because the, the whole genealogy uh, fad has gotten every, people from as diverse as Glenn Beck to Ellen uh, looking into their DNA and researching their family history and all of those methodologies and techniques tend to be protected by patents and they relate directly uh, uh, diagnostic testing, DNA testing, relates directly to a series of court cases that came and decisions that were made that follow on the Alice decision, which related to patent, what is patent eligible subject matter. So there's sort of, on the life sciences side, there's sort of three great cases, the Mayo decision, the Alice decision, and the Myriad decision. The Myriad decision uh, related to the breast cancer uh, susceptibility genes and uh, methods of detecting that breast cancer, that susceptibility to breast cancer. And it was a group of researchers at the University of, of Utah who had worked and worked. Their goal was to find a cure for breast cancer. And along the way, they found a way to identify people who are more at risk for breast cancer. Well, it became sort of a, a, uh, a subject of much concern, not just among scientists and law people, but it also sort of caught the public eye because, of course, every woman wants to know whether or not she's at risk uh, for at an increased risk for breast cancer and whether or not that, uh, she should make decisions about her medical care in advance. 
and while all of that was happening, I was sort of sitting back with my scientist hat on and watching it and thinking, oh my goodness, this has been the goal of every researcher, grad student in any lab anywhere. Working, they want to find a cure. It takes a lot of money to get through clinical testing. It takes a lot of hours. It takes uh, many false starts and many changes in direction. And the people from Myriad had actually made some significant strides. They, were used, they sort of became a forerunner in the process of, a, of finding uh, new cures and diagnostics as a business model. They found they were using their diagnostic test to, to fund their ongoing research. Uh, and so, you know, this is not Taft's perspective. This is purely my own from a scientific background from having been in labs with grad students whose goal was to do something and knowing that they, they were broke and didn't have the money to do it, but they were dreaming of ways to get there. They were going to, you know, the goal was to use the small pieces that they found along their way to fund the, the larger goal at the end. Uh, so we watched the Myriad decision come down, and there was a lot of discussion back and forth about that. But between Myriad and Mayo and Alice, we reached a stage where nature-based products and, and products um, with too much, that were considered too much of a natural phenomenon are not considered patent eligible subject matter. Before there had been, you know, it was sort of recognized that fundamentally everything does at some point come from nature and you're going to be using that in your invention or in your patentable subject matter. But after those decisions, that simply wasn't the case. And we reached a stage where, ironically, even uh, new methods of testing uh, pregnant women for uh, pregnant women and their the baby inside them doing diagnostic testing, prenatal diagnostic testing, was not considered patent eligible subject matter, even though they were using materials that had previously just been considered waste materials. Uh, so it was sort of ironic and frustrating to watch. And companies and people in the life sciences were getting kind of frustrated and concerned, and they didn't know how things were going to play out. The f we finally, within the past year, maybe the past two years, have begun to see some changes as different court decisions came down. And now we're looking at... Uh, more clarity on what is considered patent eligible subject matter, especially after the HICMA case. And we'll be talking about that on, during the webinar on March 7th. Uh, and we'll be talking about the directions that you can take and what it, some suggestions and ideas on how to deal with what is and is not patent eligible subject matter so that as you're trying to protect your client's interests, you're able to do so effectively. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Knowledge Group podcast. Don't forget information about our full panel and information about what to expect on the webcast, as well as registration information is found in the description box down below. Along with that information, you'll find the code PODCAST25, getting you 25% off that first webcast registration. And until next time, everyone, take care. Bye now.